You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, guys. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. It's been a while, but it's certainly a pertinent time to start talking finances. A lot of people in 2023 are going to be in a position where their interest rate will drastically change if it hasn't already. We'd like to talk about how that has affected you already, how it's going to affect you with regards to your serviceability, your repayments, what you might or might not now be able to buy. I've had a few of my own clients call me up or message me saying, hey, Trent, looking for a refi. And unfortunately, the reality is the thing they bought two years ago, they actually couldn't get a loan for now. So uh, what are your options if that's the case? And what are your options if you're looking to expand your portfolio in 2023? It's only one man we can talk to about this stuff. Sam Carello, Napoleon Finance. Mate, you are looking very relaxed. How are you going? <laughs> very good, Trent. Very good. Uh, had a good little break over Chrissy and New Year's. Living down in Bustleton these days. I have made the move. So between uh, down south and up in Perth, still coming up a little bit. But uh, yeah, loving that, that fresh air down there, mate. It's good. Isn't it fantastic how you can build up a business and be in a, an industry, a career, where you can still provide the same service wherever you are in the world, pretty much, as long as you're in the same time zone. You're still available. Everything these days is done electronically, isn't it? Yeah, it's probably one of the good things to come out of COVID is it probably accelerated that probably five to 10 years in terms of the tech with the banks, mm. which then makes it yeah easy for us. A lot of DocuSign, et cetera, now. Also have to do a big shout out to my team, Rose and everyone in there. There's, there's nine of us in there now and you know we work together and it, it works really well. Even though the technology was probably there before COVID, it's changed the mindset of everyone now to probably prefer. A lot of our clients, they prefer not coming in. They're able to trust that you're doing the right thing and that the forms are correct without having to meet you. you know, remember before COVID, there's just so many clients, obviously, and they're totally fine with this, but you know they want to meet you to, to trust you. You're the right person. Whereas these days, I think that that whole jump is no longer there anymore correct i mean you even go back even further where you know you'd go meet the bank manager and you'd take him for lunch or her for lunch and uh they'd give you the loan i completely agree everyone's behaviors changed we've matured nearly in our relationships for better or worse with regards to our social side of things we're able to get a lot more done without having to have the face-to-face Obviously, it's an important part of the relationship, but once you've done that, let's just get on with it. We can do it from wherever we are in the world. That's right. And, you know, I guess, you know, if you're getting referrals from existing clients who have had a good experience, mm. it makes it a little bit easier. If you're probably green to broken or any role, you know, I'd probably try and get in front of people. Mm. But, you know, when the book's a little bit more mature, you know, we've been running, I think, six years now, you know, you get that repeat customer. Yeah, already, most of that work from yours is either repeat customer or referred customer, really. Correct. Yeah. So you've already got that that inroad that trust yeah mate we're here to talk about everyone's mortgages today and we haven't done it for quite a few months because it's been a bit of a roller coaster hasn't it back in april last year who would have thought that our interest rates would have doubled in that last eight months as a virtue of the cash rate going up 300 points that's it i think um it's just been crazy unprecedented uh, it's never happened before where it's accelerated or increased this quickly so there has been a lot of change on a month-to-month basis i mean finance moves pretty quick but yeah hopefully we're towards the end of the interest rate increases now and yeah we'll just see how it plays out do you have a gut feel is it even worth having a gut feel when it comes to the RBA these days? <laughs> Looking at the smart guys out there, you know, chief economists of, of CBA, Macquarie, guys like that, the remit that we're getting is potentially there may be a rate rise in Feb, maybe one in March. And then towards the end of the year, CBA, I think they're forecasting four rate cuts to start sort of towards the end of the year. Yeah, but that's a brave man to say that. But if you look at history, 
every single time we've had these big handbrake interest rate rises over the decades, there actually has been a rebalancing pretty soon after the last rate rise. They've always seemed to have loosened it back up a bit as if the belt buckle is tightened one notch too much and then they've gone, oh, it's a bit tight here, let's loosen it up a little. It's like threading a needle almost. He's, he's not going to get it perfect. So I guess it can lay two ways. You can put them on hold now and see, and there's a few factors which no doubt we'll chat through and see if, if they've got it right. Or what usually happens is they go a bit harder and then they can always bring it back. Cheers, Mr. Lowe. Appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, But in the meantime, I think it's important, as we have been speaking about on the podcast, to really relay this back to how that affects West Australians with regards to the market here, with regards to what we make and the interest rates we're paying. So let's get a bit of an update from you as to where rates are now. If we can, what are the best rates you're seeing on the market for a couple of the segments that we usually talk about? And if you can maybe reference back to what it was back before the rate rises. Yeah, the standard ones, your owner-occupied principal and interest variable rate. New to bank, you're looking around the 4.8% with a 20% deposit. If you went back to, I had a quick look at some rates, uh, we'll quote him back in April, and they were down at 2.19. Huge difference there. In terms of your owner-occupied fixed rates, this is where there's a quite a bit of a spread between the banks, and this is probably probably a result of where they think they might get to. So I, th- I think there's a bit of a premium in the fixed rates at the moment. There certainly has been for the last eight or nine months. They've been pricing in a fear factor, haven't they? Correct. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So I think best sort of two-year fixed rate we've got Macquarie at five two five. But then if you look at someone like one of the majors, like I think NABBA at six oh nine for mm. their two-year fixed rate. In terms of a fixed versus a variable, obviously it's dependent on each individual client's situation, but I almost don't see a whole lot of value in the fixed rates right now if you do have the ability to maybe absorb some of the interest rate increases and higher costs, which hopefully there may be one or two more and then we're we're at the end of it. I guess the reason for that, there has been a rapid increase. A few reasons are, you know, obviously behavior takes time to change. Humans don't do things overnight. It takes a few months of that higher repayment to then adjust Clearly, right? Because the, the point is, and whether this is because of the latent fixed rates that a lot of people are still on and therefore not being affected by the current cash rate increases or it is behavioral, spending hasn't really changed since Mr. Lowe's come through. Inflation is starting to tick down a little bit, but I wouldn't say that's an outcome of us spending less at David Jones on a Sunday. Yeah, and you've hit the nail on the head there. So I think a lot of people have been fixed in at 2%. A couple of factors, so that's it. A lot of people have been fixed in at 2%, so their actual repayment hasn't changed. A lot of these fixed rates come off in 2023, mm. so you're going to see the adjustment this year, but they've really, really gone hard on the cash rate to try and control inflation. I think the other way, other reason is there's also strong savings. Like Over COVID, there was plenty of cash flowing about. People couldn't go on holidays, so people, we, and we were seeing it, people were saving cash. That savings has probably started to take a hit with borders reopening and obviously the higher repayments. Let's segue into that fixed rate space. Okay, so clearly interest rates are significantly higher than they were a year ago. They're going to stay around this level for the medium term. Maybe we see another 50 points. Maybe we see it rebalance down to about this space. But somewhere in the fours to 5% is the mid-term expectation for the interest rate. We need to probably be pricing in as individuals for our budget for buying in the future and for our 
existing debt. Would you agree? Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say next 12 months. I think it will be a, a wait and see. So, you know, they've gone hard. Let's wait and see once some data comes through as to if spending has slowed. But yeah, I would say high fours, low fives is going to be the norm for the next 12 months. Let's compare that to therefore where the banks were assessing us at. So obviously, our interest rate at the time was say early 2% if we got a loan a year and a bit ago. What were they actually assessing us at at that time? I remember maybe that it was 55 or 6% was their floor. Is that right? As a 3% buffer on actual rate. And then the floor was most banks were 55 I think some were down at 52 so yeah, it was low and that's where the actual rates are now. Probably worth looking back on where your position was at the time if it hasn't changed since then. Did you just scrape through? Did you just scrape through when you got your mortgage a year or two ago? Did your mortgage broker say, look, we're really tight here? And if so, they were actually assessing us at your five and a bit percent. Well, we're going to get there soon, guys. So you probably be in a position where if you recognize that, well, yeah, it's getting tight now. Well, that's if you just scraped through a year and a half ago, well, that's because we were assessing it just above 5%. If, however, the assessment made by the bank when you got your mortgage a year or so ago was pretty easy and pretty clean, well, you should still have quite a buffer, shouldn't you? Correct, yeah. And the other thing, hopefully you get a bit of wage growth coming. So hopefully you're earning a little bit more. And then like we said, that savings but i mean that buffer rate's still three percent so people applying for a mortgage now they're typically getting assessed high seven percent low eights and that's what people still aren't getting that i still have people saying mate i can afford the mortgage i've done the budget i can afford the mortgage i say well yeah but they're assessing you at seven eight percent steve and they're also assessing the rental income you're plugging in at 90 to 70 percent of what that actual income is as well so you plug those in, actually, that's where this, the calculator is saying you can't afford your mortgage. And if they weren't putting those buffer rates in, then all those guys that were getting a mortgage at 2%, well, geez, you'd be in pain now. Yeah, you'd be underwater. And like you said, I think NAB were the first to come out in terms of the rental and they've gone, you know what, we're pretty bullish on the rental market at the moment. We're going to scale back our shading to, to 90% rather than that 70 which has helped serviceability somewhat but yeah i completely agree if they didn't have those buffer rates then uh, you'd be in a bit of strife right now let's talk about fixed rates i'm sure you've got some stats for me as to how many people actually aren't affected by what's happened in the last eight months or aren't yet first question i have is do you have any of those stats and secondly what would your advice be to people who have got who are clearly looking at a bit of a interest rate cliff in the next few months best stat to take is probably from the, the biggest lender, which is CBA. I think they've got about 26% of their book coming off fixed rates in 2023. So one in four of our mates who have got a mortgage this year are going to have a big increase to their monthly cost. Correct. And like say on an average, say a $600,000 mortgage, with the recent rate rises, you're probably seeing about an extra $1,000 a month in repayments. From what you're expecting, most of your clients' fixed rates were over the last couple of years. Correct, yeah. So if you were on a fixed of, say, that low twos and now you come down onto a variable, you know, 4.8 to 5%, on a $600,000 mortgage, you got to find probably about an extra $1,000 a month on average. Okay, so 600 grand for the mortgage, 1,000 bucks a month, double that, $1.2 million mortgage. You bought a $1.5 million house in Wembley a few years ago. Well, that's going to be an extra two grand a month. Yeah. 24 grand a year, it's not small money. But for someone who has bought a $1.5 million house, you'd probably think they should have that in their savings. Correct, yeah. You'd hope they have that in the savings or for a $1.5 million house, you've got to be earning pretty good money. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully you've had a, a bit of wage growth there and they can make do. I guess the other thing which two, three years ago, which we've seen, you know, maybe people stretching to get into those aspirational suburbs and then one partner's dropped down to part-time because they've had a child or whatever. 
they're the ones where if they went back to the bank now to try and borrow that same amount. No way, Jose. Correct. They yeah, and that's what they I guess they call it mortgage prison is probably a term you might have heard in the media a little bit. Mm. And they're the guys who doesn't mean you can't service your your debt. No one's taking the loan off you. No, correct. Yeah. So you can continue on. It just means in terms of options of refinances, you might not be able to go from bank A to bank B. But what we're finding, and it's actually really good, it's been really positive to see probably last two or three months, is a lot of the bank's retention teams. They're working. They're actually doing something. I had this last week, actually. That client who asked me, can I refinance another bank? I said, I'm sorry, Steve, you can't. You don't have the service anymore. But let's have a look at the retention team from that bank. That bank was Virgin. They provided a 0.35% discount just because we asked. It's crazy. I mean, with a lot of our clients coming off these fixed rates, first thing we do is we go, all right, let's see what the existing bank can do. Last thing you want to be doing is changing banks, changing indirect debits and everything. So let's give the existing bank the opportunity to retain the business. We'll get that rate and they may offer some cash back and then we can compare it to what's in the market. I've had clients get four grand cash back from their bank to stay. Was this CBA? Yeah. Bloody hell, man. And this, and this happened the other way for us where my client genuinely wanted to change banks, weren't super happy with CBA at the time and there was a better rate in the market. It was actually far better coming off of a fixed rate. And so we put our application in, we changed it. The client asked CBA at the time, can you match it? They said, nah, we're not going to. So we put our application in, got all the way to the point where we were booking settlement, discharge, all this stuff. CBA's then rung him and said, not only will we beat the rate, we'll give you four grand. Yeah. Bloody hell. To stay. I mean, that's a lot of work for the broker to then not, not, not get, get paid. Anything yeah. out of it. But <laughs> Unfortunately, it's gr- but the you know, best outcome for the client at the end of the day. Correct. And that's and that's what it's all about. So what, what we do... Um, I guess at Napoleon is we will always give the existing bank the opportunity and some of the banks have cottoned on where no longer can a broker fill out a discharge form. The client actually has to call up. So if a client calls up and says, oh, I want to move my mortgage across to, to bank B. That's how they hit you the retention. Yeah, yeah, straight into the retention team. So they've cottoned on it and they've realized it's a lot cheaper to keep a client than it is to procure a new one. Like the likes of Bankwest, who I think do it probably the best, is essentially if you're an existing Bankwest client, they are pricing existing loans uh, at new to bank rates. Well, they should be. I genuinely think there's something really fishy going on there where the industry is allowed to give better deals to new clients than existing clients. One, it goes against most Australian values. But two, how is that even fair? How can we have different pricing simply because you're new to bank? It's, yeah, it's For the it's same crazy. product. It, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Same product, same loan, same One LBR. day that will be cleaned up. Yeah. One day APRA will come after those pricing strategies. Correct, yeah. It's just that lazy tax. So there's some some good offers on. I guess if you're coming off that fixed rate, what we recommend is have a chat to your broker. They should be saying, let's look back at your existing bank first. Let's see what they can offer and then we can do a comparison. Cool, we know that's the best they're going to do. If you wanted to switch and and you're in a position where you can service that new debt, let's move you across to this bank and it's going to save you X amount per year. All of it a hit though compared to what you were on and your fixed rate, but that's the reality for all of us. I've got a few loans coming off in June that have been there for three years and I've got, I'll have another one next year that I put on a four-year rate, all those on low twos. I'm expecting to now have to pay high fours, even early fives. And that makes a big difference to my disposable income at the end of the month going forward. But And, and that, that's a decision where from an investment point of view, I have to make do I keep those properties? Is it worthwhile from a capital gains point of view? Or my expect expectations, will they make 20, 30, 40 grand a year more for me this year than the increase in 10, 15 grand in interest rates I'm going to have to pay? If that is my expectation, that the capital gains will be more than the increase in 
the cash flow cost, well, then you keep your property. If you don't think you're going to see that growth, it might be an opportunity for you to sell. It might be a time for you to sell as well. You've done a few numbers for us, haven't you, Sam, with regards to where people may have been and will be now in a few situations on serviceability. I guess overall, serviceability, obviously with the higher assessment rate, has come down a fair whack. So I've run a, a few numbers uh, as I always do. So say you're a single applicant on 90 grand a year with no debt and no dependents. We go back a year, you're sort of borrowing about that 635 as a maximum. So 635,000. So maybe the house you were buying at 80% was around 800 grand and at 90% was around 700 grand. Correct, yeah. Yeah. Now, that has significantly come down to about 470000 Yeah. as a borrowing. So, so, now you're at that 550 to low 600s. Correct, yeah. And that's just with the 3% rate increase. I think HEMS has probably gone up as well. Cost of living is obviously higher than it was 12 months ago. So, that's factored in Yeah, so well. that's the indexed ex- expense that the bank puts against your income? Correct, yeah. So, typically you'll have to fill out assets assets and liabilities as well as a, a living expense sheet. The bank then can confirm that against your statements typically and what they'll do is they'll say, cool, they have a minimum threshold that's assessed on. You may be higher. If your living expenses are higher, then they're going to lend you less. Yeah, if they're lower, they're still going to hit you with the index number. Correct, yeah. That's a single person on 90 grand. What if I'm a couple in the hundreds? Yeah, so I did couple on about 150, no debt, no kids. Last year would be about just over a million dollars. This year, that's down to about 760. Yeah, so you've gone from 1.2 to a 900 grander. That changes suburbs, doesn't it? Correct, yeah, and the product you're buying. Yeah, obviously it doesn't stop you buying. What stops you buying is really your deposit, but it changes your preferences. And this is something I've spoken about over the last few weeks. We referenced it with Craig Gasper talking about the inner west and how his buyers have probably shifted down a, a segment. So the people that were looking at a higher price point are now looking at him and so forth. This is what's going to happen. If you were looking at buying something in Kareen or Gwellup, you might now be looking at something in Duncraig. Correct, yeah. And it's just that affordability. They may believe they can afford the repayments, but with the bank buffers in there, uh, there's only so much they can lend. What about if you've got kids? Yeah, so we did a couple on, say, 150K with two kids, uh, no debt again. So keeping in mind, things like credit cards, car loans, hex debt, they do reduce serviceability. So these numbers, if you have those things, will be reduced. And that really highlights the point that if we're going to be having these serviceability reductions based on something we can't control something we can control is get rid of the goddamn Hilux debt. Yeah. If you want the house that you've been after and the interest rates have reduced your serviceability and you've got a big car debt and you still want that house, well, you're going to have to get rid of the Hilux. Yeah. Decisions we're going to have to make now, right? Yeah, so if you went back two years ago or a year ago even, you could probably afford all the toys and still borrow what you wanted for a house as now those decisions need to be made. So how do the kids affect us? Yeah, so couple on 150K, two kids. Uh, What we've done is max borrowing last year was about 900 just over. Uh, Now it's about 670. So can you just compare there again? How much does having two kids affect your servicing? It's about 100,000 in borrowing capacity. And with that, I would also preface by saying do a serviceability yourself so do a budget go cool if we drop to one one wage for for 12 months do we have the savings buffer there to cover the wage we're missing out on Mm. what happens if interest rates go up a percent can my broker or or bank or broker uh, provide me repayments as if not rates at five percent now but at six or six and a half so we know we're stress testing ourselves on that that yeah if it does get that high we can actually still afford it because the last thing you want to do is buy a house 
and then hate life because you can't make your mortgage repayment. You're going to have to sell. You can't go on that holiday. I know sacrifices need to be made and it won't be forever, you know. Typically, you know, partner may return to work after a year or two. Isn't that the interesting thing? You know, we, we all want everything these days. But if you think back to how our parents lived 30 years ago when we were just babies, sacrifices were made. The amount of holidays being had by our parents back in the 90s or the 80s is far less than the holidays that we expect to be able to have these days, right? So it certainly is something that if you're looking to maximize your living standards from where you want to live in Perth, it's not that out of the realm to start making compromises in other parts of your life in the early days, right? Correct. You know, I'm one of five, as you know, five kids. I think I went on a plane once before I was 18. Yeah, same. That was a trip to Sydney. Yep. Otherwise, it was just trip down south, spend time Rotnest. with my cousins. Yeah. Even Rotto, I didn't get to. Too, Jeez, uh, you were struggling. <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I got at least one Rotnest. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know what a boat was, mate. We were landlocked. Um, so, but that, that's what it was. It's those sacrifices, like you said. And I think that should be the priority. At the end of the day, this is the biggest investment you're going to make. That should sit above all other discretionary spending that we've probably been used to enjoying over the last few years as someone in that Gen X, Gen Y, millennial generation. So let's wrap this up with some good news about rebates. Now, rebates have been around in the refinance world for as long as I've been around in the mortgage broking world, and I'm assuming similar to you, but they've seemed to become more popular over time as a tool for banks to entice you away from your previous relationship. We started by seeing the $1,000, $2,000 rebates. You mentioned four grand with CBA, but there's quite a few other banks that are, and lenders that are providing this rebate these days. If we can afford to refinance, and I would suggest the quicker you try that, you know, six months ago would have been better to today, than today, but let's say that you're looking now and your broker says you can afford that refinance. What are the deals on offer from a, purely from a rebate perspective, which I guess helps to offset the cost of the refinance in the first place? Quick note, I think CBA are doing 2000 for refinances, but they are, if you're an existing CBA client, if you do call them up for the discharge slash retention, we have had clients receive four grand to stay. And that's because banks like your ANZ, St. George, Westpac, some of the smaller guys like Ubank, etc., offering that $4,000 to try and attract clients across. That's um, way more than the cost of refinancing. Correct, yeah. So that's one thing you have to be mindful of. So cost of refinancing is typical discharge. If you're on a, a variable rate loan, you're looking about 350 bucks. You got to deregister your mortgage with the existing bank re-register, which is about $188 a pop. So two of those. And then typically the new bank has an annual fee or application fee of about 400 bucks. So yeah. you look at about $1,000 all in to switch. But yeah, you're essentially getting, say, four grand potentially tax-free cash in the bank. Mm. It's not bad to switch over. Like I mentioned before, the uh, bank's retention teams are working overtime at the moment. So they've realized that it's cheaper for them to actually look after a client and keep a, keep a client, which is what I we've been going on. I can't believe I just figured this out. Yeah. Honestly, the, mo- the, the mobile phone companies have known this for <laughs> years. And the, as I was saying, the banks are now acting like a mobile phone company. You just give them a call and they will probably offer you something. So, will you advise your clients, people in the broader community, just give your bank a call? First and foremost, definitely. Yeah. So, first first thing we do is either get them to call or we can do a pricing request for them or your broker can do a pricing request for them and see what the existing bank's best offer is. And then you go on in with eyes wide open and you can compare it to the other offers out there mm. and actually get a dollar figure. And then you can make the call whether it's worthwhile switching or not. But like I said, the likes of... You know, Bank West St. George at the moment, they're offering new to bank rates for everyone. So it's a lot easier for clients. One phone call might take you half an hour on hold, mm. but it can save you thousands a year. Yeah. 
one thing we haven't covered off on is investment rates. And as I said in my last podcast, my top 10 picks and the podcast before, the theme of affordability. This year is all about affordability. And the reason is I've been foreshadowing, obviously, the reduction in people's serviceability. Now, the cool thing about being in Western Australia or investing into Western Australia, wherever you are in the country, is that our price points sit well below most people's affordability maxes, right? So average Joe in average suburb, you should still easily be able to afford the average house in that suburb. The problem with investing in Sydney or Melbourne and Brisbane and the reason that those markets have been dropping is simply affordability. It's not demand and supply. Those markets are still undersupplied. It's because affordability has essentially more than capped out most people in those markets, which is why nationally now, all the investors are looking at the only market left they really want to invest in that they can invest in that they see growth in because there is still fat in affordability and that's the perth market so this is i'm trying to tie in the episode 215 216 and now this episode today 217 it's all about affordability so we'll finish the conversation off with that investment space and the investor rates where are we at now interest only investment on a, on a variable you sit in mid fives you know 5.4 5.3 uh, to 5.5 uh, we have a 20% deposit variable interest only. If you wanted to pay principal and interest on that, you're sort of looking at low fives, so around that 5% mark. One thing I would say to people who might be capping out on their owner-occupied space, if you're looking to buy maybe an upgrade property from where you're renting right now and your rent is lower than what the mortgage would be, have a look at the opportunity of your first purchase maybe not being your owner-occupied home at the time look at the ability to buy it as an investment property that therefore comes with a significant increase in your income from rental income. Yes, you'll still have rental expense, which will move against that. But if you're looking to just get on the market and you're happy for that property to, for the first few years, be an investment property with that rental income, the numbers might change for you in your favor to at least get on the market, get that property, especially if it's a property that you could have afforded a year ago and now you can't. I think it's the old rent investor, which is quite popular over east uh, with their affordability issues. Um, so it's not not a bad way to go if, if, if it makes sense for you. Sam Carello, Napoleon Finance. Thanks very much for coming in again. I think it'd be a big year again for Perth and Western Australia, especially on the mortgage front. Lots of people looking for a refinance, just as many people looking to buy. Yeah, thanks, Trent. Thanks for having me. I think it's uh, last two years have been busy and I think this year is going to be pretty similar. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. 2023, the year of the investment loan. That's it. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!